Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Hi, Gay. Hi, Gay. How are you? It's June 1st, and I'm <laughs> effervescent. I'm fabulous. Companies I'm love me. <laughs> yeah, right. Old Navy is selling things to me specifically. RuPaul and Old Navy <laughs> are having a great day, and I'm feeling fabulous. Happy Pride, you dumb, stupid gay bitch. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, that's how like every email I received today was signed. <laughs> well, you stupid gay bitch. Honestly. Uh, okay, so Sam and I put our heads together and we were like, let's do something mildly pride. And yeah. so we decided to do a little baby series, just a little baby, uh, two weeks where we each pick a movie that made us gay, or in my case, bisexual, as it were, and present those to you. So my choice today is my, I can't even say it's my favorite musical, but my musical choice is Grease. Yay, this movie is so gay. I'm, Jesus Christ. I'm surprised it took us this long. Uh, honestly, it wasn't even on our list. And then I don't know what made me, oh, you know what made me think of it? We were at a party the other night and I was looking for a karaoke song and I was rotating between my two choices, which are both from Grease um, and a third choice, which is Britney Spears. And I was like, wait a second, Grease is like really gay. It's like homoerotic as fuck. Oh my god, it's camp as fuck. It's like more camping than the woods. Yeah, it's more <laughs> camping than the woods. That's that's its byline, actually. <laughs> uh, what's your like relationship, your history with this movie? Like every other woman who's ever lived in America, I had to see it like a thousand times. <laughs> and so I have this relationship to it where it's like, do I like it or do I just know every single word to every single song and the songs are good? Why can't it be both? It can be all of those things. <laughs> also, I'm gay. So it's like, it's it's culturally very important. This movie was a movie my family not only owned on VHS in the early 90s, but then like also purchased on DVD in the early 2000s. So we were a Grease family. Really, my mom and I were Grease of a Grease family. <laughs> they were like, we didn't make a mistake on that first purchase. We're buying it again. And then when we re-up to a different sort of society, we'll buy that media's version as well. Exactly. I, I probably own it on like Amazon. I don't even know. <laughs> but when I say like, in all seriousness, like no exaggeration, like this and The Lion King were two movies that I had on, like it was either one or the other for me from the ages of like four to like 10. I watched this movie probably hundreds of times. So is there just something about this movie that made you gay or it's the whole experience, do you think? Um, so it was definitely the entire experience. <laughs> Okay, well, more, more specifically, so my best friend in the neighborhood, she was really cool. She and her mom lived together in this cool house, and I would ride my bike over there sometimes, and she had a karaoke machine, like back when you had to like purchase CDs to put in yeah. your karaoke machine to sing the karaoke. Mm -hmm. And the one that we did, like hands down, like no exaggeration the most, was the Grease soundtrack. So my like becoming of like a whatever weird wiggly hippie person that I am now my becoming of my sexuality was like not only like watching Grease and listening to the music but like performing the songs uh, in a safe space do you know what I mean yeah the performance factor is a huge determining part of if you're gay or not like we also got a karaoke <laughs> machine for Christmas and the CDs it's so cool I feel so ancient describing this but you would put like um a CD in and it would pull the like audio track 
So like, oh, it, yeah, it was like, so we had to put any CD, in? any CD. And as long as it was like not a torrent or like a rip and it would pull the whole audio track out. So it was like, mine was like Britney and Nelly Furtado, but like, yes, we did that. Like we would have dances for it. And I'm sure everybody knew I was gay at that point. <laughs> no surprise. <laughs> yeah. Um, wait, were your parents surprised when you came out? Total tangent. Were they surprised when I come out? Um, I think they acted surprised. <laughs> uh, I think any sort of, if they w- would have been introspective a little bit, they would have known, you know. Yeah. I think you could watch me around other kids and could tell that I was gay for sure. Oh, that's so cute. I'm going to be like, if I ever have kids, I'm definitely going to be watching them. But like, like, come on, you better be gay. This better have been worth it. If I birthed a hetero child, I'm going to be so pissed. You're going to put like a, a smattering of different gendered toys in front of them and see which one they pick. Boys play with girls' toys. Girls play with boys' toys. Yeah. Sorry. Yes, exactly. Um, anyway, okay, so enough of a tangent. I want to get into this movie because it's long. It's a long movie. And I also want to walk you through it rather than through clips, through the hit numbers of this movie. I've got to be honest. It, I do hope that you skip the like lull. I remember the pacing of like the third quarter was like slow or maybe the end of the second, something like that. There's like a moment where I'm just like, oh, come on. And everybody's singing sad songs. It's like hella boring. I do not. Um, the sad <laughs> songs are what made me. <laughs> no, just kidding. I do skip a couple of like lame songs. We'll, we'll get to those. You'll know them when you don't hear them. Um, so a quick synopsis for anyone out there who has not seen this movie. Good Girl Sandy and greaser Danny Zuko fall in love amidst the song and dance drama of their senior year at an all-American high school in the 1950s. More like senior year of their doctorate program. These people <laughs> look 45. Fully, no one is younger than 23 in this movie. Holy like, shit. Realistically, and they all look a lot older. I think, I mean, it must have been the cigarettes they were smoking because they are rankly, oh my God, that one guy, Kanicki. Kanicki. Yeah, he's, he's like 40. Yeah, he's he needs suntan lotion. Yeah, he is like major creases. These are not high schoolers anyway. But high schoolers now, they don't look like we did. But high schoolers now like know what to do and how to act and what to say. Cue Lizzie's tangent on euphoria. I can feel her wanting to say the word euphoria. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I keep interrupting with ridiculous things. Please continue. That is the whole premise of our podcast, Sam. If you don't do that, it's just me talking into a microphone. <laughs> You're like, if you've never heard of Greece, like this is their first stop <laughs> if they've never heard of Greece. I've Grease. truly never met a person who hasn't seen Greece. You've seen Greece, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your impression of Grease? I remember when I first saw it, uh, it is a long movie, so I fell asleep watching it the first time, but I remember waking up uh, to the DVD menu, which is, uh, wow, uh, you're the one that I want, but it's only like a, you know, maybe 45 second loop of it, Come so on. it keeps looping <laughs> and screaming at so, you. <laughs> yeah, I'm also too tired to like get up and do anything about it, so I like laid there, and I'm like, I wonder how long <laughs> it's been playing in my... Like, what's that called when you, like... Your subconscious? Yeah, or when you're asleep and, like, you can, like, learn another language by listening to tapes. That's... Oh, I right. just learned Greece, I guess, or learned that song <laughs> by sleeping. 
Oh my god, if you're gonna learn anything at night, it might as well be the best karaoke duet of all time. We're really aging ourselves. Lee's like, yeah, I fell asleep with a DVD, DVD menu, menu. woke me up. I'm talking about karaoke machines and Nelly Furtado. No, I'm desperate for everyone to know that I was born well into a time where the internet did not exist. And I am better because of it. Yeah, for sure. Millennial superiority complex. <laughs> you were talking about the 35-year-old freshman. They're seniors in more ways than one. Oh, God. So um, let me get into a little bit about the like production of this movie, because I found it very interesting. And though the premise of this movie is not gay at all, uh, to little surprise, I discovered through research that its creators are very, very gay. Yes. And that makes it gay. Yes. We were talking about that the other day, like... Like a gay lens on a movie makes it gay, like to some extent, at least. Right. Yeah. Like if the creators or the writers are gay, the directors are gay, like it is gay. Because I know if I sat down with a pen and paper, even if every person in the story was, quote unquote, straight, like it would still be a gay ass story. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I would expect (laughs) nothing less from you. Exactly. Um, So, the film Grease was adapted from an off-Broadway musical of the same title and similar storyline, and it was discovered by film producer and Hollywood glimmering star and party animal, a man named Alan Carr, who was a homosexual man. Rest in peace. He's no longer alive. Um, I found this description of Alan Carr, the producer, in a Variety article. This is such rich writing. I wish I could have written these few sentences. Um, So, describing Carr... He drove a yellow Mercedes with a personalized license plate that read caftans, a nod to the more than 100 flowing moo-moos hanging in his closet. He threw outrageous parties, their invitations so coveted in Hollywood, that he split them up into Rolodex parties, hosting the A through L guest list one night and then the M through Z one the next. And there was a really cute story. I wish I could have met this man. But um, the actress Dina Manoff, who plays Marty Maraschino of the Pink Ladies. Oh, my God. So hot. I had the biggest crush on her. Me, too. Oh, gosh. I, every woman in this film I had a crush on. Yeah. Um, she tells this story in the Variety article how Alan would come in standing on the dolly cart in his caftan with his arms outstretched like Moses. And he would say, children, children, gather around. And then would give them the reports on the dailies and how they were being received. And she said, there was nobody like him. He was really the star of Greece. So this like, what sounds like a very energetic and flamboyant and colorful man, like found this story when he went to go see it on Broadway or rather off Broadway and then bought the rights to it and was like, all right, let's fucking, because he was trying to hit a home run. He had produced a couple of things before this and even a couple of things after this that weren't quite the smash success, but honestly, the success of this movie is enough to like make a career. So he produced it or directed it or? He like found the story, produced it, found awesome. the money. So he is the one that attached the director, another gay man named Randall Kleiser, who he was 30 years old at the time, living with George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars. And this was his directorial debut. What the fuck? Could you fucking imagine but seriously, how? Seriously, how? I, I think having a producer like Alan Carr who just like could run with the most over the top images and who was like very, he seems like a good producer from all the stories I read online. Like this guy was kind of a legend, um, though he, his career didn't go like super far after this. Like he did a really good thing for Greece and brought together a really great group of people. 
Um, and he saw this 30 year old guy and was like, I believe in you. I think you can do this. And then like gave him the support he needed is what it sounds like. But damn, I'm 30. I can't direct Greece. Are you kidding me? A side note, um, when you're saying Alan Carr, I'm thinking of the guest judge on the UK RuPaul's Drag Race, whose name is also Alan Carr. Can you look that up? Yes, Alan Carr. So not to be confused, not right? to be confused with English comedian Alan Carr, who is currently still alive. Our Alan Carr is an American-born Jewish citizen who is now deceased. Um, but I think they kind of serve the same energy. Yeah, because when you're saying Alan Carr, I'm thinking of that Alan Carr, and I'm like, it honestly kind of matches. It kind of matches. No, I've come across this beautiful man in my research. Could you imagine if you, like, died and then just, like, came back as, like, same Samantha name, day, <laughs> but, like, more advanced in your career? I would love that. That's the way to do it. So anyway, Randall Kleiser, the director, went on to direct Blue Lagoon 1 and 2 after this, as well as a movie I've never seen, but I'm dying to, called Love Wrecked, starring Amanda Bynes. Shut the fuck up. Yes. Shut the fuck up. He directed Love Wrecked? Yes. Wait, shut the fuck up. Honestly, be quiet for a second. He must have been fucking old. (laughs) He was old. (laughs) I remember Love Wrecked, like, in my Bones. It was an ABC <laughs> Family movie. You've never seen Love Wrecked? Never. I really want to see it. Okay, can you just describe Love Wrecked for the listener right now? Because anything I would say would be so completely biased that I just don't think it would get so, across. Like, without seeing it, what I've taken from Love Wrecked is basically Amanda Bynes is obsessed with this pop star a la Harry Styles and like, gets, like, shipwrecked with him. Mm-hmm. But where they're shipwrecked is, like, secretly only, like, half a mile from civilization. But she, like, keeps him dumb to that fact to, like, hold him hostage and make him fall in love with her. He's amazed. He's like, wow, you bring me coconuts and bananas. Wait, Lee's trying to, have you seen this movie? No, but that premise sounds really good, actually. It's It's just a good idea for a movie. (laughs) Well, it's already done. Randall Kleiser did that. That's so funny. You think they saw Blue Lagoon and they were like, this guy knows how to direct on a beach. Oh my God. I didn't even make that connection. Because it's it's very Blue Lagoon vibes. Right. Like two people stranded, kind of like discovering their I mean, they have to have a relationship. They are the only two people alive. Like for the pop star in the movie, he's having like a Blue Lagoon moment with Amanda Bynes. And she's like totally just She's having like a old, the beach from old vibe. (laughs) She's like, I'm just going to keep him here. Yeah. For my own purposes. Until he dies. (laughs) Until he dies. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, so with director Kleiser and producer Alan Carr, there's several other queer people involved in this film. Fucking hell yeah, Grease. I knew this movie was gay. Even as a four-year-old, I was like, there's something better about this than most things. I would be more surprised to find a musical wasn't gay. Do you know what I mean? It takes a gay person to be that full of like... It has to be a non-gay musical. It would be bad. Mamma Mia is kind of straight. Mamma Mia is... also pretty gay. Gay. Man, I love musicals. Musicals are like... One of my favorite things on earth. I don't think I've ever seen a musical I didn't like. And I mean that in all seriousness. I can't think of one. Hamilton. Um, (laughs) (laughs) ABBA was disco and disco is gay. Disco is gay. So if a gay person didn't write it or write the music or direct that movie, which I feel like slim chance, then it's gay inherently. Yeah. I support that. Yes, you're right. I'll put my stamp of acceptance and agreement on that. Oh, also, so sorry. I keep going on these tangents. You also said there was a gay character in Mamma Mia, right? That I never caught. Yeah, it's one of the dads. So gay. Is it enough to put it on the pod? I think it's enough. (laughs) It's enough. (laughs) We've done more for less. More for less. (laughs) So yeah, and then 
like seeing this movie as a kid and even now I always assumed it was like a big budget deal and like a Hollywood like moment but this movie had a very low budget it was only six million which you're like oh six million but the amount of stars in this movie and the amount of huge dance numbers this movie was kind of like haphazardly thrown together they literally had a pre-production period of five weeks and then they shot it they would like choreograph on set some numbers which i'll point a few of them out to you crazy it's like really kismet that all of these things came together and it didn't just come like crashing down on everyone's heads that's amazing five weeks i can barely move out of a house in five weeks do you know what i mean absolutely not i can do not i have to like work on these episodes for like five weeks just kidding like 24 (laughs) hours (laughs) all right so with all of that information rolling around in your little gay head let's get this musical episode started three two one fact, this little number was written by Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees. So you can feel the disco. Let me tell you, this is the best song. This period. is your favorite. Yeah. At the end, I'm going to ask you to choose your favorite. I can confidently say it's this one. I mean, this song fucking slaps every second of it. This is my mom's favorite as well. She's a huge really? Gibb Brothers fan. Yeah. And I could pop my shit to this song any day of the week. The other ones I have to kind of be in a mood for. I wonder if you're in the mood today. I hope so. (laughs) I certainly hope so. So yeah, a little spiel about this. So obviously you can like feel the disco in this song. So this movie was released in 1978, which was towards the end of the disco era. Disco was hitting the mainstream with films like Saturday Night Fever, which I've never actually seen, but also stars um, Travolta and it's the Gibb Brothers as well. And you can like hear the influence of the disco music in this movie, even though it's about the 1950s. But like undoubtedly, this film is about the nostalgia of the 1950s era It was a sentiment of like society at that time, like audiences at that time to like look back at the 1950s with kind of like this glowing like sparkle in their eye, like, oh, the better days before sexual liberation, before disco, before drugs and gay sex and porn were becoming more and more part of the cultural lexicon. I've read like a theory online that Greece and movies similar to this were being made about the 1950s to kind of like course correct for all of the free love and societal advancement of the previous two decades. Yeah. That makes any sense? Yeah, it's like a propaganda tool. And like, I definitely think you can read the Grease stage play that way because the Grease stage play was written by two individuals who had a nostalgia for the 1950s who were like listening to the rock music of this time and being like, oh man, remember like doo-wop and bebop and all that like why can't we go back to those good old days but then when you put this story in the hands of like some very queer individuals (laughs) and like even if you're playing up these super heteronormative roles like they push these gender roles so far that they kind of like come full circle Mm -hmm. as like satirical almost or that's how I interpret them like They go so straight that they become gay again in a weird way. Um, It's very campy. Yeah, I was about to say, like, it's so straight that it's camp. Yes. It's like a remark on being straight. 100%. So 
we know whether that theory was correct or not, I think that Greece has done more good for gay culture than it's done anything for straight culture. Because even though like the guy and the girl end up together in the end, it still feels campy and they both still, I don't know. It might not be gay, but it's not straight. You That's know what I mean? for sure. Yeah. Okay. On to the story. We open on the first day of senior year at Rydell High. Some loving had me a blast. Some loving happened so fast. I met a girl crazy for me. So this was actually my favorite song to perform as a kid. <laughs> I, I will tell you what my new favorite is when it comes up to it. But I, I me and my friend Emily, like she had a very high voice and I kind of had like a lower mid voice. You so were Danny Zuko. I was always Danny Zuko, but I took like total pleasure in that. Like I liked yeah. being and it's actually funny. We were me and my friend were in a, like a church play where like it was about couples, but of course there's more girls and guys. So I ended up being cast as a boy and putting like overalls and stuff. And I lived, I was like, this is my true self. I'm wearing my brother's clothes. <laughs> um, and it's, it was gender euphoria in a way that I still feel to this day. Like I, I have so much fun performing this song. I want to say that you mentioned before, like, Greece as a story was meant to, like, you know, further this, like, idea of white, hetero, 1950s, whatever. And you're like, I was in a church play, but <laughs> they made me a boy. And that's when I realized I was gay. Bada bing, bada boom. You know, it's like when you push the standards so far, they become alt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this song is great. It introduces us to our cast and to the rules of our world. It's kind of like the girls singing a story over to the boys and it flops back and forth. The guys all wear skin tight clothes, are unconcerned with school and very concerned with getting laid. All the gals wear skirts and skin tight pants and everyone smokes cigarettes and uses too much hair product. What do you mean? Which part? Too much hair product? <laughs> They all have, like, hair that is, like, coiffed <laughs> to an inch of their life. They look like they're wearing helmets. Like, thunk, thunk, thunk. <laughs> no, seriously. But I have to say, like, the boy's hair in this movie is, like, if I ever were to cut my hair short, which I would never, but I would have it fucking, like, slicked in this, like, soft serve ice cream dollop mm -hmm. on their forehead. It's, and it's shiny. It's mm -hmm. gorgeous. You could... You can do that with your dark hair. Could you imagine? shine like the moon. I would have to put like an insane amount of like gorilla grip hair gel <laughs> to make it do anything other than this. Well, that's all what they're using. Yeah. So here we meet our two leads, Danny, played by John Travolta, and Sandy, played by Olivia Newton-John, um, who have just spent the summer falling in love and now go to the same school, Rydell High, but they don't know it yet. And Danny is a greaser boy in a boy group called the T-Birds, along with his very, very close friend, Kaniki. I use friend loosely. We'll come back to that. Gay lovers. <laughs> <laughs> and Sandy is the new Aussie girl in school who's a total goody two-shoes. Okay, so I like totally like glossed over the fact when I was a kid that like Sandy was from Australia. Yeah. And the reason they left her as Australian in the movie is because Olivia Newton-John was like unable to do an American accent. So they threw in that one line there. It's like, oh, so you moved from Australia. <laughs> no, Rizzo says like, how are things down under? 
Yeah. She's like, fine, thanks. <laughs> and you're like, all right, moving right along. Uh, speaking of Rizzo, we meet our pink ladies who are easily, for me, the best part of this movie. I am obsessed with all four of these women. It's Frenchie, Marty Maraschino, Jan, and fucking Rizzo. Stalker Channing is a lesbian in this movie. Stalker Channing is a lesbian in this movie. Rizzo, the character, is easily one of my top five favorite characters in cinematic history. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you. I have always been drawn to her. I love her. I love Stalker Channing. And her role in this movie is like the only thing of real like meat and worth. And I love her storyline. And I'll get into that more, obviously. Which of the um, pink ladies do you like best? Obviously, I, I identified with uh, Rizzo the most because I'm like, that's a lesbian. Uh, but I think Frenchie, I just had the biggest crush oh, on her. Oh, my God. So and cute. her number is is close to my favorite. Really? Uh, well, Beauty School Dropout. She doesn't really sing in it, but like that is close it's to my favorite. Number. It's yeah. it's about her. It's the only song. It's about her. Oh, she is so great. Frenchie is amazing. I love her. Like her struggle is that she's like really bad at doing hair, but she wants to be a hairstylist. Girl work. Oh, man. Me too, girl. <laughs> So Frenchie has befriended Sandy and asked Rizzo, what do you think, Riz? Could she join the pink ladies? And Rizzo says one of my favorite lines in the whole movie, she looks too pure to be pink. Ah. Uh. And I'm like, you better go. I'm getting that printed on a t-shirt. <laughs> so later that week, the school has a pep rally and the pink ladies surprise Sandy by introducing her to Danny Zuko, who, surprise, surprise, goes to the same school. And though Danny... And Sandy are really excited to see each other. He quickly acts like kind of a jerk and cold shoulders her to be like cool in front of his friends, which is so stupid. And it hurts her feelings, but does lead to the girls to cheer her up throwing a slumber party. Yeah, Danny reads so gay to me, <laughs> even when he's like, he's excited to see Sandy. He's like, Sandy! La, 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 la. And it seems gay. And then when he butches up, it seems much gayer. Yes, it's like as the movie goes on, he just gets like tighter and tighter jeans and like squirmier and squirmier <laughs> hips. And I just... I love it. Actually, in my notes here, I have Danny Zuko is a lesbian. Yes. And I believe <laughs> that final number where they're floating away in the... We'll get to it. But like, those are lesbians. Those are lesbians just floating off into the ether. Mm -hmm. um, all right. I have another song for you. Soccer Channing. Oh, I love her so much. <laughs> this song is so great. Basically, Rizzo is just like reading Sandy for being a prude. <laughs> Sandy's so just sitting there like, I, I thought we were friends. You making fun of me, Riz? <laughs> it's so cute. Um, and we also get to see Frenchie's like amazing collection of blonde wigs. She has like 40. Oh, my God. I just always think of the teddy bear when I hear the song. Can we throw like a, a sleepover party like this one, me and you? Just yes. Just like write letters in our underpanties. Yeah, and just like Twinkies. jump around on the bed, put on wigs and sing. Oh, yes. So Sandy like is still feeling in her feels about Danny and goes outside and sings my second favorite song of the entire film. I'm hopelessly
skipped this song as a kid, but this is currently my fucking jam. I skipped this song as a kid. I skip it when I watch the musical, but like as a standalone jam, it's great. It's fantastic for karaoke if you can like commit to the higher register, which I do, even though I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Where are my flowers? (laughs) Y'all better be throwing shit. And also like the camp factor of this number is like so high because this bitch is in like the ugliest nightgown I've ever seen, like gazing into a kiddie pool with like the moon shining down and like reflecting and she sees her lover in the water. And I'm just like... You were saying that like this is so straight that it becomes gay and it and it's giving unironically it's giving the same vibes as like Rocky Horror. Yes. Like Janet. And and they're obviously doing it as a remark on shit like this, but it it's doing it so earnestly that they don't even realize like how fucking gay it is. Or do they? Are the producer and director behind the camera like, You just ah, said that ah. Olivia Newton-John couldn't even change her voice. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if she's like understanding. I mean, I want to give her more credit than that. But like also five weeks pre-production and, you know, I don't know. They just fucking shot their shot and got so lucky. Yeah, for sure. God, this was just like the cinema gods being like, all right, we'll give you this one. All right. So this song, Hopelessly Devoted to You, was almost not included in the film, though I'm glad it was because it is a nice like down moment for like a movie that's almost manic in its energy. And it also received the only Oscar nomination of this film. It got best original song. Really? Isn't that crazy? Because like not 10 years or maybe 15 years before um, West Side Story, which is not... It's not dissimilar. Received no, like 1,000 nominations, you know? Like the cinematic public, like the cinematic people, critics and moviegoers and stuff didn't really write good reviews about this movie and like, did not recognize it at the Oscars. Hey, that happens more often than you think. Like the things that are beloved just fell on deaf ears. And it's for the best. Like Rocky Horror. Was Rocky Horror like an instant classic? Do you know? Or did it take some time to like build up momentum? No, it like flopped at the box office and then became an insane cult classic. So it was it was seen by those who loved it initially. And then just like they took it and, and did like a whole theatrical, uh, you know, like retelling of it. Yeah. I believe every movie has its time and it has its audience. And it's just like some movies don't hit it at the moment. You know what I mean? I like love Jennifer's movies, body. Exactly. Perfect example. Like we aged into that movie so well. If that had come out like yesterday, honestly, I might not have gagged as hard because it is cool that it was so ignored, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Because it, I paid more attention to it, I guess. I'm a fucking, um, what's that word? Simp? Pretentious. Ah. Uh. You bitch. (laughs) Okay. Meanwhile, at the slumber party, Rizzo sneaks off with Kaniki to have sex. The gayest sex I could possibly imagine. They have the same haircut. Yeah, second to actual gay sex. I imagine (laughs) this is very gay. Like, she tops him. You know, she fucking tops him. 100%. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if you remember this scene, but. Like, they're in the back of the car, parked at, like, you know, the end of the road where all the kids go to make out. And Rizzo asks Kaniki if he has something. And then Kaniki reaches into his wallet and pulls out something and says, oh, no, it broke. And my, like, child self thought that he was talking about, like, a necklace or a ring he was going to give her. And it wasn't until much, much, much later, a.k.a. recently, that I realized it was a condom he was talking about. It's so funny that you mentioned that because 
my mom, when I watch, we used to watch Pretty Woman like every month. Mm. And my mom, there's a scene where they're like looking through condoms. And my mom always told me that she was offering him like gum. (laughs) (laughs) And I believe that to be true. And then I saw Pretty Woman like, AKA recently. (laughs) And I was like, I felt like calling my mom up and being like, you liar. <laughs> she's like, she's not, she's not straight. She doesn't need to know about condoms. Little did she know, I didn't need to know anything about <laughs> condoms. <laughs> That's so good. Oh my God. So they have unprotected sex. Oh, she gets preg. Yeah. That's like her whole arc is kind of centered around this. Relatable. But I only want to bring up one more point in the scene. So there's like a rival greaser gang called the Scorpions. And they, like, race against them and dance against them and shit like that. Totally straight. (laughs) You know, other straight things such as this. And so the Scorpion leader and his girlfriend, like, arrive at the makeout point ahead of them and then start, like, yelling at them and saying, like, mean stuff. And then when they, like, speed off, they hit the Nas button. No. And, like, Nas flames come out of the back. Yeah. Like, what? Yes. Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Fast and the Furious is based on the movie Grease. (laughs) Which is a perfect segue to our number. It's hydromatic. Why it's greased lightning? I love this because it is giving that fifth harmony performance where they're around like a like a truck and they have their wrenches and they're like just <laughs> <See>? near. <laughs> We're working on cars. You don't know anything about this motherfucking car. I don't believe any of you homosexuals for a minute. <laughs> this is the most homoerotic dance number in the whole film. They're all in like these like glittery jumpsuits like that are tailored to the gods and just like slithering and slinking all over this car and i'm just like all right you guys you guys who is this for it's not for me yeah you're dancing for boys aren't you you're dancing for boys i mean fast and the furious has already shown us that like boys plus cars equals sex it's gay it's gay So after the boys work on their cars, the next day, the T-Birds and the Pink Ladies go to the malt shop and Danny sees Sandy out on a date with Chad the Jock. His name's not Chad. I don't know know what his name is. You Um, said that and I thought of what that guy looked like. So I think it's an accurate representation of him. He's a Chad. Yeah. And she goes to the jukebox and plays this song, which is not a well-known number, but definitely one worth discussing in the context of this movie. I was deprived of a young girl's dream By the cruel force of nature from the blue Before I remark on that song, could you please play another song? It is giving the exact same energy. There's a light over at the Frankenstein place from Rocky Horror.
tell me those aren't identical. Those are the same song. It's just a remix. <laughs> it's the same picture. <laughs> so I love that song. You know, Rocky Horror only gets better with every and every watch. <sighs> Honestly, it's so rich, the text. It's so rich. It's like a gravy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the song from Greece I just played you is called Raining on Prom Night. It was a song written by Sidney Bullens, a transgender songwriter and rock star who, other than writing three tracks for Grease, also notably toured alongside one of my musical idols, Elton John, snagged a Grammy, and currently leads a very successful musical career um, starting in the 1970s, going until now. So it wasn't a track I, you know, I tended to skip it on the soundtrack, but knowing that they had a transgender musician working on the movie was like just a fun bonus. I think that's fucking sprinkles. Little sprinkles for us, for us to like peck at like little chickens like 50 years later. Yeah. So, you know, we see you, Sydney Bullens, and you fucking rock. You better work. You better work. Happy Pride. Hi. Hi, Gay. Oh, hi, Gay. Just (laughs) checking in. Did you want to get everything in your cart from earlier at Old Navy? Exactly. All right. So. Sandy puts on this lovely song at the jukebox joint and she kind of blows off Danny and she's like, I'm with Chad now. He can run really fast and is really strong. He doesn't give a shit about cars. (laughs) He's not touching stick shifts. Actually, he is totally in the locker room. (laughs) Chad is touching stick shifts. Um, And he says, I can run circles around that guy. And she says, I'll believe it when I see it. So, cue training montage. (laughs) Danny Zuko wants to be a sports boy. I remember those scenes. That's super cute. Super cute. Yeah, he tries on, like, wrestling and basketball, baseball. Pole vaults are happening behind him. Yes. It eventually lands on long-distance running, which is a torture. Yeah, pretty gay. (laughs) A (laughs) long-distance runner, you guys. And it's only because I'm listening to ABBA and this soundtrack. Okay, being gay helps you run a longer distance. You know, I feel like the Grease soundtrack actually would be a good, like, full listen, good for a run, because it has, like, high numbers, but, it, you know, it has some breathing numbers, too. Another tangent, but the there's one playlist that I play, like, I played it during my half marathon, that gets me over the finish line, without a doubt. It is RuPaul's Lip Sync for Your Life playlist, and it's every single lip sync song they've ever sang, and that shit gets me running fast. 100%. When I'm having a bad day, that's what I play. Yeah. Like if I'm just feeling insecure. Yeah. Um, So being an athlete totally paid off. He gets Sandy back. And so they go on a date to the malt shop with the gang. And then Frenchie gets her number. Let's go. This is my, if we're talking about cast performance, this is my favorite song. Beauty school drama. Graduation day for you, beauty school drama. Missed your midterms and flunk shampoo. Well, at least you could have taken time to wash and clean your clothes up after spending all that dough. The doctor fixed your nose up. Baby. Put me in the vibe today, Lizzie. I'm telling you, it's a good fucking soundtrack. The soundtrack slaps. I wish I could take credit for it. So this is another campy and underrated number, in my opinion, where basically this, like, 
gay hair salon angel descends from the sky to tell Frenchie she's like really bad at shampooing and just like reads her to filth for several verses. He's credited as um, something angel. What is it? So this character is the teen angel. I love it. Tell me that's not a great drag name. Teen angel. Yeah. Oh my God. Did you know Actually, there's no way you knew. But fun fact, this role was supposed to be Elvis Presley, but he died during production. Could you imagine? This could have been his final role. He would not look like a teen angel. He would not. Unfortunately. At this point in his life, he did not look that cute, but I would still love it. (laughs) No, it would be, it would no longer be like a B-side. People would be killing themselves over this song. Absolutely. What do you feel about that new um, Elvis biopic coming out? You know how I feel about Boz Lerman. I hate him. What's your deal, bro? He's just like, (laughs) I feel like that's a whole episode on why I hate Boz Lerman. We could do a Boz Lerman uh, fan service. We could, where you bring to the table everything you love, and then I just like strike it down with lightning and flames. AKA our friendship. So after the Teen Angel number, the gang all go to, you know, your classic weekend high school dance, complete with a televised dancing competition. Oh, my God. That's where we meet Cha-Cha. Cha-Cha Zinga Gloria. Yes. Not to be confused. Drag names galore in this fucking movie. You're so right. <laughs> you know, and I also love that, like, most musicals will save, like, the big dance competition number for, like, the climax. But this is just, like, the midpoint. Yeah. I love that. So whatever, dance competition, all the couples enter and there's lots of drama. Rizzo shows up with the leader of the Scorpions, drama. Kaniki shows up with the Scorpion chick, cha-cha, drama. And Danny and Sandy are about to win, but then Danny, who has a past relationship with cha-cha, ends up dancing with cha-cha instead of Sandy, even though they were going to win. And Sandy gets mad and runs away. Drama. When I was thinking of Kaniki, I was actually thinking the leader of the Scorpions who looks really fucking old. He looks so old. He has like like hella blemishes. Well, it's not like even 40. It's like wrinkles too. It's pretty bad. You actually know who the oldest like cast member was? Was it Stockard? Yeah. She was 33. She looked much younger than that guy. That's for fucking sure. That's for fucking sure. Well, they used like softer lenses on these older women, including Olivia Newton-John, who was 29, to like wow, soften 29? their... Yeah. Could you imagine if they asked us to play high schoolers? Yes. <laughs> I would say yes. <laughs> I would say yes. <laughs> I've always said I want to redo high school. No. I would be better at it now. Yeah, I'm thinking of like never been kissed. I would be worse. You know, like she, <laughs> yes. she goes back thinking she'll be much better and she's oh like God. fucking bad at it. Yeah, you're right. I would like to think I'd be better at it. Um, so the next day at the drive-in movie theater, Sandy and Danny are on a movie date. And of course, Sandy is pissed at Danny because he left and danced with Cha-Cha. I would be mad too. And then he like throws himself at her and like tries to like basically have sex with her. And she says, fuck you, dude, hits him in the balls and then runs off. And even as a child, I was like, shut the fuck up, Danny Zuko. I'm not going to play his number next because fuck you, Danny Zuko. You're thinking it's the song where he's looking at the like popcorn things dancing around. Oh, Sandy. (laughs) It's like stopping a dick. Don't like sing the song like you feel sorry for yourself. She did nothing to you. Yeah. And more importantly, Rizzo and all the pink ladies are at the drive-in and Rizzo's like been on edge for the last few scenes. And she tells Marty that she has, she's late on her period and she thinks she might be pregnant. And it's like, damn, 
That's a real problem. Yeah, that's not a problem we've encountered in this movie. They've all been fake. Like, my car doesn't work because I can't work on it because I'm gay. Like my, <laughs> it's a huge problem. <laughs> the wrenches are just so big. Hey. They're, like, obsessed with making the car, like, shoot flames. It's like, yes. what? It's like, that's the main problem. It's like the bumper is falling off. It doesn't need to shoot Nas. <laughs> so, poor Rizzo. Um... Okay, so Rizzo gets a number after this that this is officially my number one favorite song in the whole entire movie. It's so funny because this is my least favorite. I don't know if we can be friends anymore. You know, we've had a good run, though. Uh, Yeah, you know, I think it's come time that we end all of this friendship. No tea or shade to this song. People only say that when they have shade. It's good. And like I said about Sandy's other slow song, I would listen to them on their own. But as the movie is so fucking long, I have to pee at some point. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. This was the number I totally skipped as a kid. Like 100% skipped. So you're calling me immature. Yes. (laughs) You are a baby. Yeah, when my brain was like bumpy and I was like unrefined and really stupid, I would also skip this song. And I had that like little soft spot in the back of my scalp, you know, where I could like touch my brain. Stop talking about that. (laughs) You brought it up. (laughs) No, but in all seriousness, like as I've gotten older, like the more I've even become obsessed with Rizzo because this song and her situation at this moment, like truly are about like a hetero like pregnancy scare and like canonically is not queer but this song and just like her sense of like maturity and and the alienation she's feeling and the like shame that she's battling of everyone like looking at her and talking at her like and putting her down simply because she's just like I'm just trying to live my life I'm just trying to have sex who and how and when I want to do it it was so far elevated above what everyone else was going through and like to this day this is my number one number on karaoke after Britney Spears is lucky and (laughs) I just like this number is really dear to my heart and Alan Carr the gay producer wanted to cut this number but Stalker Channing came to him and was like, no, you can't. If you cut this number, this movie is like fucking surface level. This is like the only moment of any depth we get. And I totally agree. And I, you know, it's not the number for everyone. It's not the standout, but it is my favorite. I love Stalker. I love Rizzo's whole storyline. And if you could just cut a movie that was just her living her life, I would totally watch it. Mm -hmm. But I also wish she had like a, an upbeat number just for herself, you know, sort of like a D kind of. Oh, you're totally right. Yeah. No, I take it back. I just love, I love Rizzo. I just yeah. don't like super love this song. But yeah. it, it did seem kind of like an outcasting number for her, which like furthered my idea as a child that she was a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. No, I totally agree. That coupled with the haircut, I'm like. Come on with the haircut. Come on with the haircut. But it all ends up well for Rizzo. Don't worry, dear listener. Um, So. While all the girls are going through like their emotional sidestepping, all the boys are getting ready for the big race at Thunder Road, which is basically the Scorpions are going to race 
the T-Birds for pink slips. Fast and the Furious. Let's go. This is Fast and the Furious. Um, So this is a clip I actually want to physically show you. All right. So this is like right before the race. Danny and Kaniki have a moment. Hey, hey, Danny, uh, we've been friends a long time, right? Yeah. Well, you, you remember the, the, the drive-in the other night? We went and, and the movie, and it was like the duel, and the guy's best friend went with him, and, and, and like it was just like his lieutenant, like his second, you know? Yeah. So? But I, I thought that you could maybe be my second at Thunder Road. What do you mean? You want, you want me to drive with you, or, or what? No. Oh. Hey, hey. <laughs> Uh, Listen, I'll pick you up at three, huh? Come on now. Come on now. Kaniki's like, you want to be my, uh, my, uh, what's the word? And I'm like, boyfriend? Gay lover. (laughs) Oh my God. This is like bringing me right back to our episode on Fast and the Furious. They give each other like a hug hug and then they realize their faces are super close and they're like, I'm a guy. I'm fucking up. I would fuck my car. (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely. That's just like a little bonus for us because I love when boys almost kiss. So Kaniki is unable to drive in the race. So Danny agrees to drive Kaniki's car during the race. And... Danny wins the race against the ugly, bad scorpion man with the weird skin issues. The 45-year-old. The (laughs) 45-year-old. And Sandy is off on the sidelines, wistfully watching the fun of Danny win this race. Sandy, you must cute little number that kind of just shows that Sandy is finding herself to me it's she's always like finding herself looking at this group of people looking at how much freedom and like sex they get to have and she's like you know I think I'm ready to let go of those fears and just be my like full foxy self and then she turns into a lesbian and then she becomes a lesbian yeah Rizzo's like here let me make you gay real quick Frenchie does it actually I feel I, like I feel like Frenchie is the one who gave Rizzo that gay haircut. So mm-hmm. that shakes out. Hundred percent. You know, not to like paint a picture about my family, but my mom <laughs> looks a lot <laughs> like Winona Ryder, and my grandmother looks a lot like Rizzo. I feel like this is therapy. For you. <laughs> Y'all, I don't go to therapy. I do show up here every week, though. As I was just <laughs> saying, like I thought we were talking about. <laughs> Why? You're allowed to have tangents about Rocky Horror. I'm, I'm not allowed to have tangents about my anyway, family. Anyway, so my father left. <laughs> <laughs> so cut to, we have finally come to the last day of school at Rydell High. Oh, shucks. And this must be a very well-funded public school because they have a graduation carnival. Oh, hell yeah. I fucking loved carnivals. Not even past tense. I currently love carnivals. I just don't engage with them very often. Yeah, because you think you're going to die. No. (laughs) Because I just don't know where there any carnivals are in my area. 
Same, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's for your therapist to unpack later, not for me. This is for me to tell Lizzie off camera. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we learn that Rizzo has been spared by the gods of sex, and she reveals that she is not actually pregnant. Yay! And she reunites with her beard, Kaniki. Yay! <laughs> Yay! And they run off into the sunset. This would be a great beard cover to be like, we're pregnant because we have sex, you know? <laughs> she just like, puts a bigger <laughs> pillow in her shirt every day. Yeah. <laughs> And then Danny shows up in his Letterman jacket because he's a jock now. And he tells his friends, Sandy means the world to me. I'll do anything to get her back, including become a jock. And then Sandy shows up in that little black number. You know the one. Hot. Uh, it is so hot. It is so hot. Uh, she must have been hot in, you know, because it's like summer and she's wearing like leather. Like, God damn. She is physically hot, emotionally hot, like metaphorically hot. <laughs> Spiritually hot. Spiritually hot. <laughs> um, do you have your messaging open? Because I want to send you a picture just for reference. Please send it. My messages have never been more open. <laughs> All right, Sam, I'm sending you a picture of the um, of Danny and Sandy in this last scene just so you can reference the costumes. Shut up. <laughs> Lizzie, you bitch. I really was expecting a photo. Lizzie just sent me a picture of Gottmik as Danny Zuko and Nikki Doll as Sandra T. I just wanted to troll you a little bit, but they are pulling off these outfits even better than the original. Yeah, at first glance, you would assume that they're the actual actors. I found out this was one of Gottmik's favorite movies, and I was like, me too, girl. <laughs> um, but anyway, okay, so I'm going to play you the final number. Sandy. Tell me about it. Stop. couple in drag if I've ever seen one. Thank you. Thank you so much. I could not agree more. Did you read my notes of no. this episode? Stop. So a couple of fun facts about this scene. Um, it was choreographed on the spot on set. Nice. Which is great. It's not crazy choreography, but it's there's a lot of chemistry. And Olivia Newton-John was literally sewn into these pants. <gasps> No. She was tucked into these pants, dude. Oh, my gosh. Which makes sense. They are just so well-fitting. When you're sewed into a garment like that, you can't sit down. You have to, they, like, wheel you on this doll, these dollies. So you can't sit, so you have to actually kind of lean, and they can, like, kind of pull you around. I'm surprised she can breathe. She definitely didn't <laughs> drink a drop, because how could she pee? They would have to rip the seam and re-sew her in. Yeah, no, she couldn't have pissed. Ugh, worth it for history. Go piss, girl. First cinema, no piss. <laughs> 
So for me watching this scene, like literally to this day, her transformation and it's like her choice to dress this sexy, to like reveal this part of herself, to let Frenchie give her a perm that like kind of brings out this level of femininity and confidence in her. Like I embody that so much. Like in my closet, I have like my regular side of clothes that are just like this fucking cowboy t-shirt and like pants and stuff. But then I have like a section that I just keep from whenever I have like my bad Sandy days where I'm just like, I am fucking hot. Every inch of me will be exposed and I am the shit. I'm about to improv some choreography on you motherfuckers. 100. It's not even improv. I fucking practice this (laughs) shit. And just like the confidence and the sexuality of this like This is such a great way to open this character up. And then, so for Olivia Newton-John herself, because she herself was kind of like the Taylor Swift of this time, like a little country, very like goody-goody girl with the blonde hair, you know, like she wasn't a bad girl. And she was very nervous about doing this scene. She's like, I'm not sexy. Like, that's not my image. Like, but then she literally put on the outfit, walked out on set, and she said the way people were just like... (laughs) Like their jaws like dropped for her. She was like, this was like a really big moment for me and like my confidence and sexuality. And in fact, her next album that came out called Totally Hot, um, she's wearing a version of this outfit on the cover. She started becoming more of like a sexy pop icon Mm -hmm. after this. And I just thought like, that's so fucking cool. This like literally opened up her persona as like, you know, a musician, but also like just for herself. Hell Yeah. And I am Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> Weird time to mention it right at the end. <laughs> oh, I slam nice to meet you. How's it down under? Oh, so good. <laughs> so yeah, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so a little bit about the reception and then we can rate it and all that stuff. So, like I said, critics at the time literally, like, shit on this movie. They thought it was total crap. But it became the highest grossing movie musical of all time until it was usurped over 30 years later by Mamma Mia, which we've already agreed is really gay. It could only, the only things to usurp it would have to be much gayer. Yeah, and this is it. This is the one. Greece in total grossed nearly $400 million on a $6 million budget. Damn. It spawned a bunch of sequels and prequels that didn't get the fame that it did. There's apparently like a Pink Ladies Paramount Plus series coming out next year. Okay. I'll give it a go. We'll watch it. Straight up. I'll give it a go. Mm-hmm. And worldwide, there have been over 123,000 versions of this production what that have hit the stage 123,000 I can't even think about how much that is right individual productions that's crazy so yeah this is a part of the cultural lexicon it will never be able to extradite itself from our subconsciousness as an American society and it is to this day one of my favorite movies of all time and that's my Beach. Thank you for coming to my seminar. I'm Olivia Newton-John. Thank you. Have a great <laughs> evening. All right. Any last thoughts before we rate this bad boy? No, this movie did make me super, it contributed to my gayness and in a, like a way that I have to look back and understand like, wow, I thought I was being straight. And I was wrong. Everyone thought they were being straight <laughs> and they were wrong. <laughs> Let's score this drop. 
All right, let's score it. So how the subtextual score works is we rate this film on a scale of 1 to 10 uh, for how gay is it and how good is it. And then Sam does math and averages those scores to give us a single subtextual score. So Sam, how good is this movie on a scale of 1 to 10? It's really good. It's just, I think, a tad bit long. I, I wish they would cut, like, maybe, like, 20, 30 minutes. I, I'm going to get, like, crucified for saying that. But uh, I would give it a 7. All right. Um, I'm tempted to give it a 10 because it's meant so much to me for so long. But I think I'll give it a 9. I don't know why. There are better musicals. I agree. There are better musicals. But not ones that I've seen more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Sam, how gay is this movie? I think subtextually it's so gay. Canonically, not at all. Um, I'll give it a six. I think I'll match your six as well. That feels really right. Because I know right after this, like Rizzo and Frenchie go off in French and Kaniki and Danny just like... Fill up the gas tank, if you know what I mean. Yeah, when the camera stops rolling, you know, they go, <sighs> they swap partners and then just start fucking. 100%. All right. I'm happy to announce that Greece has got an overall score of seven. Totally. Totally. Yeah, that, that seems really accurate. That feels right. God, I love this movie so much. So, Sam, I said I would ask you at the end of the episode what your favorite Greece song is is it still what you said i think yeah it the the title track is greece right mm -hmm. and beauty school dropout i think they are still tied for number one but if we're talking about actual cast vocals i think um sandra d is really good as well there is no wrong answer is the thing what your favorite is my favorite is still stockard channing's there are worse things i could do but to be honest there's very few <laughs> soundtrack tracks that I skip like I like cover to cover this is one of my favorite things to sing on a long road trip I like foresee like a karaoke night in our future after this episode like the crystal ball is forming something mm -hmm. hey you know who's a really good KJ who Lee Garcia no yeah Lisa's Christ <laughs> Lisa's Christ <laughs> that's your KJ name it's been too long I haven't I haven't KJ'd in Far too long. KJ is a karaoke jockey, you guys, uh, and Lee is the best one. How many people oh. were like looking that up on Urban Dictionary or whatever? <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to play us out with one final number. You better. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks for listening. Happy June, gay. Are you tired of giving your money to massive corporations who don't give a shit about you? Stop. Give it to us. We have a Patreon. If you'd like more bonus content, you can find us on patreon.com slash subtextualpod. We'll see you next week for another riveting episode of Subtextual. Subtextual.